Welcome to the Improver Network Podcast. The Improver Network mission is to make the world better by helping faith-driven leaders, entrepreneurs, and small business owners improve personally and professionally. Finding balance and maintaining focus in a world of distractions and discouragement can be challenging and frustrating, but we're here to help you discover your purpose, become more productive, and reach your true potential. Now here's your host, Justin Winstead. Hello, Improvers. Justin Winstead here, your host, and so glad to be with you. I've got my friend and co-host with me today, Darren Hollinsworth. How's it going for you today, Darren? Going well, Justin. How about yourself? And as we like to say around here, I am good and getting better. (laughs) So this is not your first time on the podcast. You've joined us before, so it's good to have you back. For those of you who don't know, Darren is one of our team members here at the Improver Group. His official title is Solutions Advisor. But you know what? We're in startup mode, which means that we're all doing all things all the time. We're just kind of pitching in and go where we're needed and do what we can. But we uh, call Darren the Solutions Advisor because he's a good problem solver and he likes to get things done and checked off the list and For some of us who love to sit around and strategize and ideate all the time, it's great to have somebody to come in here and help us push that ball over that touchdown line and score some points. So excited to have Darren with me today on this. And we've got a fun topic, an interesting topic that I think is going to uh, be super relevant for a lot of you out there. Uh, Some of our improvers have actually asked us questions about this recently. And so we're excited today to talk to you about building trust. And along with those lines of trust is like, well, what causes trust to be lost in the first place? Or what if you go to a place and there's not really distrust or mistrust, but there's just not trust. So everything's kind of neutral. Well, how do you create an environment where you can build it? And so really excited about that. But uh, before we jump into that, Darren, I don't know, man, let's not go too deep into the content just yet. Why don't you just tell me something good today? What's something you're extra grateful for, thankful for? What's been a big win? Uh, What can we celebrate today? Yeah, vacation is one week away for myself. I know you just recently got back from uh, vacation on an incredible uh, cruise and all that stuff. So I'm super jealous and ready to head to the beach as well, just like we're missing our partner uh, next week, uh, Melissa, who is at the beach. That, that is true. Yeah. So, and remind me, what part of, uh, what beach are you going so to? So we're going area? down to the Galveston area, Crystal Beach area. Okay. Galveston. All right. Yeah. We actually left out of Galveston on our cruise a few weeks ago and it was fantastic. So, uh, you know, we're not getting any paid advertising for this, but I tell you <laughs> what, there's a restaurant down in Galveston that, um, we always like to go to, and I always get the, the name backwards. I don't know which one is the right one, but it's either Cajun Greek or Greek Cajun. Have you ever heard of this place? No, but that is quite the combination. I cannot imagine. <laughs> it is, man. But we, we've gone down there and had all kinds of seafood. And so we, I don't think we have any uh, Greek in our blood, but we do have Cajun in our blood being originally from Louisiana. And uh, yeah, I have vivid memories of uh, my wife and uh, son, especially down there, cracking these crab legs and just diving in. But uh, we always try to stop by the Cajun Greek or Greek Cajun, whichever it is down in Galveston. So, man, well, that sounds like fun. We'll hope you guys have a great time and you get to go over to Pleasure Pier and maybe get some Bubba Gump shrimp or 
ride the Ferris wheel and uh, enjoy some of the other uh, cool sites that uh, Galveston has. But yeah, so celebrating that. And of course, we're celebrating uh, the fact that we went on a trip and yeah, it's vacation season here. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's get into our topic today. And let me kind of tell you where uh, the um, I guess the prompting for this topic came from. Uh, earlier this week, I was having a conversation with a, a team of uh, business leaders, and uh, one individual uh, posed a question to our group that I thought was uh, very valid and intriguing. And uh, the comment that he made was is that he had someone that's been with their team for many, many years. This person's very seasoned, kind of up in age, and they're really valuable for some of the productivity and experience that they bring to the team. Yet, there's some distrust and mistrust among the team with this person, and this person kind of looks down, especially on some of the younger people on the team, and it just creates this really... Uh, weird dynamic of, well, we are getting some stuff done, but there's this elephant in the room where there's not full trust among the team. And so this leader toss out the question of, you know, what do we do about this? Like, we don't want to let this person go. They're, they're nearing retirement and, you know, they've done so much. They've been so loyal to us, yet there's this weird thing. And we've tried to work on some stuff with some team exercises. And it's just, the conversations aren't working, so they were feeling stuck. So, Darren, before we get into like all of that, let me ask you: like, have you ever seen that happen before, where there's been some mistrust on a team or distrust, and uh, it just kind of creates awkwardness? And yeah, have you ever have you ever seen that happen? How about every basketball, football, sports team that doesn't win their highest championship probably has some level of finger pointing and mm. distrust behind the scenes, especially when when there is losing going on. Um, but even from a business standpoint or an organization standpoint, anytime sometimes things don't go the way you believe they should go, um, sometimes that can create a sense of, or a lack of trust in the leadership because the leader went a different way than what you suggested. And so sometimes that's born out of, of insecurity as well. Yeah. I like the way you tied in the trust factor to a winning team. Yeah. Because that, that this really is, sometimes it's easy in the business world or in whatever organization you're a part of to say, well, well, here's what we actually do. And I don't have time for all of this hokey pokey stuff of feelings and trust and uh, mindset and motivation. Like we just need to show up and just get our job done and that's it. But it's really hard to get your job done and win as a team, if you're dealing with these mindset and emotional issues that cause a lack of trust. Right. In fact, Pat Lencioni, we're fans of Pat, right? Oh, yes, and uh, sure. what they do over at the table group. And he actually wrote a best-selling book on this, and he, or at least on part of this. It's called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And so he says a team that doesn't trust it's not even just that they don't win. They're actually dysfunctional. They're they're not just not winning the game. They're actually not even operating. They're not actually doing whatever their vision and mission is. And so if you want to function appropriately, you have to go overcome these five dysfunctions. Yeah. And the dysfunction, number one, the foundation of everything starts with trust. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If, if your foundation does not have trust in it, 
then you can um, fully expect the rest of what is built on that foundation to be unstable. Yeah. What, you know, we start talking about trust too, and man, there's lots of ways, I guess we could view this word, uh, this word trust and this idea. And I think we all know it, but uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot here, but what's like one of the first things that comes to mind when you were, you know, if you're a, uh, you had a second grader say, hey, Mr. Darren, what is trust? You know, what, what do you say to them? Like, how do we explain this to yeah, them? Yeah, well, the old church answer is trust and obey. That that old song, that, that old <laughs> hymn comes to mind. But um, trust is basically something that you can depend on. Like, if I trust you, then I can depend on you to say what you're going to do. I think maybe possibly a different uh, leadership word in that is consistency. When we, when we become consistent leaders, our, our people understand who we are and what they can expect from us. And so that brings a level of trust um, to, the, to them and how they relate to each one of us. Okay. So for you, uh, the way that you're seeing that, and I would agree with it, it, it sounds like that you're saying that trust uh, has a high degree of being able to lean on and put your dependence on something. And part of that dependability is affected by consistency. Right. So if something's consistent in delivering on the expectations, that makes it dependable uh, mm-hmm. on that. And, and like you said, the old hymn says, trust and obey. Well, if you're able to trust someone or something that usually leads to an action. Yes. Uh, you know, we've shared the story before about uh, Charles Blondin, the famous tightrope walker, who would tightrope in between skyscrapers and he would tightrope blindfolded without safety nets, mind you. I mean, just incredible. And uh, there was this one story of Charles Blondin at the Niagara Falls, and he's going to tightrope across Niagara Falls, which he does. And then he decides to do another uh, version of this where he has a wheelbarrow. And he says, who thinks that I could push someone across Niagara Falls in this wheelbarrow, who believes that I can do it? That's insanity. <laughs> and all the crowd, man, they cheer and clap and they go, you're the best. We've seen you do incredible feats. We believe that you can do this. And then Charles says, can I have a volunteer? <laughs> and then that's where they're like, no, this is insane. I'm not getting in there. There you go. And it's so interesting that they did believe that he could push someone across. And I think a lot of these people in their in their heart, they really did think that he could. So there was a certain amount of trustworthiness there, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't enough that they were willing to risk. It wasn't enough they were willing to let an action other than their words and affirmation cause them to get in. Now, the story goes that somebody actually did get into the wheelbarrow, and it was his agent uh, who had seen him do all these things, had seen him practice this in other environments. And so I think there's something to that, too. This agent's like, hey, I've seen Charles do incredible things. I've seen him practice this. So there's a certain consistency that I've watched in him so I can trust him to get me across. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I was just thinking the opposite of of a consistent leader is an inconsistent leader. And so because that agent was able to see and see that he has done it in the past or, or possibly even have practiced it with a net, he had already developed this level of trust because he knew how consistent he was at that. I mean, we all want consistency in our lives. We go out to our cars to drive to work every day, and um, we expect consistency from that car. It's going to start. It's going to deliver us from point A to point B. 
maybe even like um, in food, like I'll, I, my favorite is Chick-fil-A. Have you ever noticed that the best restaurants, they invest heavily in their training and development um, so that the experience is consistently excellent throughout their culture and throughout their franchises. So yeah. con- consistency really is a trust builder. Sure. Yeah. And the Chick-fil-A one's a, a good example because there are other places who have similar models even similar foods. I mean, Chick-fil-A has a unique uh, spin on their chicken and all that. But at the same time, there's places that get close-ish yep. to the model, to the uh, recipes, to all that. But why does Chick-fil-A deliver over and over on a high level? It's their consistent execution uh, of customer service, of the quality of the food. You usually don't get surprised uh, when you go there. So that does build uh, trust in there. Well, the way Lencioni in the book talks about uh, trust, he's in the context of building a team. It says trust is the confidence among team members that their peers' intentions are good and that there is no reason to be protective or careful around the group. So I think that's really interesting that like there's no reason to be protective or careful. And, and the flip side of that is they're willing to be vulnerable so you were kind of speaking broadly about leaning on someone or, or depending on them. But to be more clear about that, it means, hey, I don't have to protect. I don't have to be careful. And I, I can be vulnerable uh, with you. So if you're a leader and you're listening to this podcast and you're going, hey, is there trust among my team? Maybe your initial reaction is yes. But let me ask you this. Is your team willing to be authentic and vulnerable around one another? Do you see them willing to lay their cards down or do they keep their cards close to their chest? Do they feel like there's like turf uh, wars that are going on, that they have to be protective of their their, uh, piece of the pie or are they willing to share? And so all those can be indicators on whether or not there is trust is how do they interact among one another? So So what are you thinking about that? Yeah, one of the uh, things that I wrote down as you were reading that is they trust that the intentions are good. Mm-hmm. Now, you think about that among a team um, and even among your teammates. Do you trust that their intentions are good? And so when 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 trust is leveraged within a team, you're going to become more successful. In fact, Lencioni, one of his newest things is he says conflict is actually a good thing it, because conflict um, means in a healthy context, that we are desiring what is best for the organization or the project. So if I'm at conflict with Justin over an idea or a project, um, if we can do that in a healthy, transparent way, then what it really communicates to both of us is we don't have to be insecure or offended if I don't get my way or or it doesn't go Justin's way. Um, What it really means is that we began to see the best in each other because we're both desiring the best possible outcome for this project or organization. Yeah, no, I definitely think you're right on with that. This episode is brought to you by the Improver Network. Members of the Improver Network get exclusive access to bonus episodes of our podcast. Additional member benefits include educational content, encouraging community, and practical coaching to accelerate personal and professional growth. For more information about becoming a member, visit improver.network today.
we're talking about this in the context of a team, but trust is obviously not just related to team dynamics. Even as a leader, you know, I'm kind of thinking about spouse, you know, and marriage mm-hmm. and how, you know, you've got to have trust as a part of it. And you mentioned consistency. It hit me a few moments ago that like, if I just didn't show up this evening, you know, like I normally would, like if I don't show up tonight, like there is, that's going to just create a, a real question and wondering, you know, in the mind of my wife. Now we've been married for 15 years and there's been so much consistency uh, over those years that she's probably going to assume that something's happened, something's wrong. There's a reasonable explanation because consistency is there. But if you rewind the clock back to maybe our first year of marriage, if all of a sudden I randomly didn't show up in the evening, there would probably be some real doubts and some real concerns like, where is he? What's he doing? And, you know, that could really create uh, some challenges. So it really highlights that piece about uh, consistently uh, executing and, and, and being predictable in a way. We trust things that that are predictable. But, but yeah, the intentions, I think, goes along with that because when you're consistent, it allows people to assume your intentions are probably good, kind of like the example of me and my wife there. Um, I think part of that, making sure the intention is good, is effective communication. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not communicating effectively, like in your example of, of not showing up uh, or not going home after work, well, now there is a level of mistrust that happens. But it's not a big deal is if if you have communicated consistently and and communicated well, well, there's no worry if you don't come home because you have communicated where you will be and why yeah. you will be. And so um, even as leaders, I think sometimes we, we sense um, this idea that we have to be withdrawn from our people. But I actually think the opposite. The best leaders are consistently invested with their people um, in conversation and, and being transparent so that I don't look at my boss as uh, a boss. Mm-hmm. I look at my boss as a person. Yeah. Well, and also just being clear on that. So I, I like it. You made me think about Jocko Willink and, you know, quick funny story, then I'll get to the point of on there. But uh, there was a, a time, I think it was May of last year, I was in Orlando for an event and Jocko was going to be one of the featured speakers there. And uh, a few uh, days ahead of his speaking engagement, I went to a luau there in Orlando and I walk in with my flowery shirt. They put a Hawaiian lei around my neck and then I'm standing in line there to get this drink that they told me I just had to have. And it was a blue Kool-Aidy drink. I turned around with like uh, umbrellas in it. And there is Jocko Willing just standing right behind me. If you guys don't know Jocko, He's the author of Extreme Ownership. He's one of our nation's heroes in the way that he served in the uh, Iraq and Afghanistan tours uh, there with the Navy SEALs. And the guy is just, I mean, he's like a bulldog, man. He's muscle. He's kind of mean looking. He's got a kind of a growling face. And here he is at this Hawaiian luau, like in all neutral uh, colors. And here I am all flowery. I never felt so effeminate in my life, standing there next to muscular Jocko, I was like, man, he could just rip me in half. But it was amazing. One of the things Jocko shared with us, though, uh, at that event was uh, this phrase of commander's intent. And I had not heard of that. I I really look up to people who've served in the military. And sometimes one of the things I, I think is, man, 
maybe that's what I should have done. Maybe I should have gone out of high school and joined the military. And I, I really just admire people. So I know some military stuff, but I'm ignorant on a lot. And this is one of the things I was ignorant on was this idea of commander's intent. And the way I understood his explanation of it was they're going into a battle and they lay out the mission and they say, here is success and failure of the mission. Here are the steps and stages and here's everybody's role. So let's get super clear on what we expect you to do and how we expect you to operate based on the data and the reconnaissance that we have available to us. But sometimes you go out onto the battlefield, you start executing your mission and there are surprises and there are curveballs that get thrown your way and you just, there was no way you could have foreseen what was gonna happen and that would create high levels of dysfunction among the team because now, well, this was supposed to be my job, but now that thing is gone. Or what do I do now because of this, you know, instance that uh, has come up? And what he said they would do in these briefing meetings is they would say, here's the commander's intent behind this. And it allowed them to know what the intentions were so that if they get onto the mission and something changes, they can adjust their behavior, but still be in line with what the mission purpose was. They would know what the commander's mindset was. So to your point, yeah. that builds incredible trust among your leader when he says, here's what I want you to do and how to do it, but here's my intentions. So if you need to alter it, do as yeah. needed. Does that and make so sense? When you know the big idea and you know where you're headed, it's easier to um, support whatever steps or whatever path it is to get there. And so even if you're like, well, that may not have been the path I would have chosen, but I can still see that this path that the leader has chosen or that the team will get there, to go. you know, then you can be supportive of that. And so there, there's still trust in that. So, yeah. well, and I want to piggyback on that a little bit too, because the way I answered the discussion the other day with the leaders on, well, what do you do to try to build trust or yes. how do we think about this? There was really three things that I tossed out and we've hit one of them pretty good and you just helped us transition to the second one. So the one thing that we talked about was if you doubt the uh, morals or the ethos or the intentions mm -hmm. of the other people on your team, that harms trust. But the other one is a lack of shared purpose or meaning or a goal that uh, isn't a win-win. If you're, if you're going different ways, that creates uh, distrust too. So you were really helping us transition there. So thanks for that. You bet. But I'm trying to think of when we've seen that like play out in real time where people don't trust one another, even if they know the person's intentions may be pure, but the goals or outcomes are different, that still harms trust because you don't have shared uh, meaning in that. Um, yeah, I think there's a great illustration in the show I'm actually watching. I think it's on Amazon Prime. It's the it's the uh, PBR, the Professional Bull Riders Association uh, uh, series that, that they're putting out. But what they did last year is they tried something new because these are professional athletes who are always concerned with themselves and their score. It's them versus the bull. Well, last year they tried something new and they decided we're going to make teams. So now you will have individual uh, bull rides and you will get scored for it, but you are also on a team. And so now it's a team uh, versus team 
format. And so they talk a lot about this is a shift in uh, mindset of, hey, am I writing for myself or am I writing for the team? And there can be some hugely different motivations in that. You know, what if your team has already won? Do you just want to skip riding the bull uh, because they've outscored the other team so bad? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, maybe not. But there's also a risk involved if you choose to get on that bull and now you get injured. You're actually not only hurting yourself, you're also hurting the team. And so there's some strategy there as well. So does that connect yeah, with where no, you were going? I think so. And I think that's what causes people to bond a little bit more is if, hey, if I win, you win. Now, all of a sudden, you know, we've got a way that we need to trust one another. But if it's uh, if you win and that makes me lose, then that just creates those barriers and leads to actions that actually cause uh, distrust. That's why I think you look at like Simon Sinek and people like that. They say you got to start with your why, because if you've got a company or a team and everybody has multiple whys that aren't connected to one another, it creates division. And if you have division, then you can't move forward on that. And so if you're thinking about how do you align your uh, marriage or your family where there's greater trust or your team or organization, one thing you got to do is make sure that everybody's on the same page with the vision and the mission. And that should be one that is a win-win situation so that as the team wins, all of the individuals win uh, as well. So we talk about intention, we talk about shared purpose and meaning. And I think this uh, last one is also very relevant. And that is where maybe you do share similar goals. Like, hey, I want to win the Super Bowl. You want to win the Super Bowl. If Mm -hmm. we win, we get raises, we get fame, we get accolades. You know, this is what we all desire. And I know that you are a player that has good intentions for the team. You've got good character. But if I don't think your ability on the team as the running back or the quarterback or the receiver, if I don't think you're able to perform the duties, then that creates a lack of trust as well. It creates dysfunction because even though I may like you as a person, I don't like you as a professional. And we see this sometimes. And look, I'm just going to put this out there too, especially in the South, we can be uh, in situations where people are so friendly to one another And they're like family at work, and they actually have shared ideas and values, but yet they still don't trust because sometimes we're afraid to call people out on their lack of delivering on what they're supposed to deliver on. They don't actually perform. We don't hold people to the results that they need to. So I've seen that happen a lot in these very family and faith-friendly environments, which a lot of our listeners are accustomed to. So what do we do with that? When we see someone that's like, I like you as a person, but you really stink at your actual job, man, what are the remedies to that? What do we what do we do? Because if you've got a team that's not performing well, now you don't trust each other. Yeah, right person, wrong seat. Oh, there you go. That's yeah, you said it in a lot fewer words than I just did. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that that's that's super, that's some John Gordon language of how do we get the right people on our team in the right seat? all on the same bus. We're all going to the same place. And so, um, you know, I think part of that, Justin, is that transparency and communication that that we've got to have. But but as you were talking, I wrote down this. Um, how can we all have a mindset of transition or even a growth mindset? So if someone comes to you and says, hey, 
you are a valuable part of the team. You trust your leader in that, and you trust that they believe in you. You're a value part, valuable part of the team, but I think we've got you in the wrong. We're asking you to do the wrong things, and so could we shift your job description? Yeah. Could we could we make a tweak so that you can actually be doing the things that are a more fulfilling to you, but also b we think you could be better at. Yes, will it be challenging? Is it going to be a transition? Sure, but because I value you as a person um, and I value the company, I want to see you succeed in this other role or this hybrid of a role. I think for for people who get offended by that, we have our identity wrapped up in in really what we produce or our title and not as much in um, in the success of the team. Yeah. Does, that, does that resonate no, with you? No, you're right on. And, and some people are a little bit too sensitive on it. And, you know, we had a conversation the other day that, hey, if I'm a coach and, I, and you're a player on the team, like if I say you ran the play wrong, that doesn't mean you're a bad player. You That's don't have right. to take it personally. But we, we do want to win as a team, so we need you to perform well. And, of course, we're big fans here of lots of tools and resources, but one of our favorite ones is The Working Genius by Lencioni. We talked about that on the – the last podcast, so we don't have to rehash all of it. But part of the premise of working genius is, is that you've got these areas where you're going to be most uh, proficient and productive at, and it's also going to fill your tank emotionally with your energy and your joy. And so sometimes to build trust on a team, you need to get an accurate assessment of how people are actually wired and how they operate uh, best and what gives them energy and joy. So doing a thing like the working genius assessment, which we go in and do this with businesses and companies where you say, hey, let's evaluate this and see where your skill set and personality actually align and where do we need to move you and grow you. That sometimes helps people get in the right seat. And there's also another big benefit of doing these assessments, which we talk about. They eliminate a couple of things. What do they eliminate on a team? Uh, when we do working genius, oh well, it leverages more trust. Yeah, but it it eliminates um, our our mistrust of others and guilt uh, even of ourselves. So when we when we feel less guilty of oh I, I can't create an uh, an idea out of scratch, but somebody on my team can, and so I can trust them that their idea is a good idea, and I can get I can get behind that, and I can support that. So. So leveraging that um, can be extremely uh, culture changing for, sure. for teams. Because it allows that trust to be built. And that was the word you said was, um, yeah, that kind of, there's guilt, there's shame, there's judgment that happens whenever you don't have an understanding of who your teammates actually are and you're not willing and able to trust them. But when you're able to say, hey, that's not my genius, but that is their genius, Yes. then that actually eliminates guilt because you don't know how to do it. It eliminates judgment because you realize that that's their genius, but other things aren't. And it really allows you to begin creating that environment where you can depend on one another. And really, that's the main thing we wanted to get to today on this podcast is we wanted to give you just a context of uh, to help prompt you to evaluate whether or not you've got trust on your team and not just your work team, but your home team with your family, uh, maybe a, an organization you volunteer with, whatever your circles of influence are right now, as you evaluate those, 
you can begin to think is, is there real trust among the people in that circle? And if there's not, why not? And the three things that we highlighted today on the why not is it's possible that you don't trust their intentions or morals or their intrinsic goodness about the perspective they're coming from. So you may need to address that. It could be that you're lacking real shared purpose and meaning and goals and vision. So you may need to get all on the same page and make sure that you all are wanting to go to the same place together and it's a win-win. Or the third thing is, is maybe there's a skills and position mix match that you need to address by saying, hey, how am I wired? How am I built? What skills do I have? And do we need to reframe that? I think if you look at those three areas and take actions based on your evaluation of that, you can build trust on your team and it can really change the energy on the team. It can change the unity on a team, and it can really allow you to accomplish more in less time. Any other things you want to add on that, Darren? No, I love that. And, and we here at Improver have the tools that can help help you um, with each of those things. And, and that's the great thing about being uh, part of the Improver Network, a part of the Improver Group, is that we can provide multiple solutions for whatever issues that you are experiencing, it's not a it's not a one size fits all here. We we've got a lot of different tools, and uh, we would and a lot of different personalities too with our with the variety on our team where where we can we are confident that we can find a good solution for you. Yeah. So whether you reach out to us, we're happy to help, or you seek help out somewhere else, we do encourage you. Uh, this stuff sometimes feels touchy feely and pie in the sky, but it does make a difference to your bottom lines. It makes a difference to creating the type of culture on your team that's going to allow you to win. So whatever your Super Bowl is, whatever your big finish line or your climb to the top of the mountain looks like, uh, you need to have a healthy team around you to help you get there. And these parts about building trust really matter. So uh, reach out to us here at the Improver Group. Let us know how we can help you. Otherwise, we will catch you on the next podcast. We hope you hang on to all the goodness that you have as you continue to strive to get better and better each day. Take care, Improvers. Thank you for listening to this production of the Improver Network podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can catch future episodes. For more information about the Improver Network, visit us online at improver.network. That's www.improver.network. And connect with us on social. Until next time, keep getting better.